That's in the Bible, episode 13, Does the Bible Condone Same-Sex Marriage? Troubles and times are here, filling men's hearts with fear. Freedoms we all hold dear, now is at stake. Humbling your hearts to God, sage from the chastening rod. Seek the way pilgrims trod, Christians away. Hello, and welcome back to That's in the Bible. My name is Eric, and we're glad that you've tuned in again today. And joining me also are Steve and Matthew. How are you guys doing? Doing real good. Doing great. So here we are, and I don't know what the weather's like there, but it's actually like starting to feel like summer here in central New York. Yeah, it's beautiful. It was about uh, 70, 77 degrees today. Uh, yesterday, Thursday, it was uh, pretty hot. It got up in the 90s, actually. It got up to about 90. So uh, it feels a lot better today. I like the cool, nice 70-degree uh, weather. Uh, that's, that's definitely a lot nicer for me. We're recording this on May twenty second, 2009. And, uh, yeah, the weather has really warmed up nicely. Um, sometimes a little bit too nice. <laughs> a little bit too warm. We got about, you know, what, a month or two months here in, uh, in this part of New York State uh, of good weather <laughs> before the <laughs> snow comes again. <laughs> so we got we to gotta try and take advantage of it. I don't know, but I like fall. I like the change of seasons and I like the, the leaves, and uh, you know, especially now they don't have to rake them <laughs> or mow the lawn since I'm not living in a, in a place where I have to do that anymore. Well, I enjoy the change of seasons as well, but I, I certainly would like warmer weather for a longer period of time. You're not living in the right spot of the country then, Steve. No, I know. Well, you know, it, it, uh, this has been a nice spring. A lot of times uh, we get uh, winter and it jumps right into summer and there's no spring at all. Uh, that happens more often than not. But this has been a nice transition this year. So enjoying the weather. All right. Well, good to have you guys joining again today, and you guys are joining via Skype. And that's really the Skype thing is pretty amazing when you think yeah, about it. You know, nice tool. The sound quality is not not terribly terribly bad. You know, I think it works out well. We've had I know we've had a few glitches in the past, but it seems to have settled down and seems to be working pretty well. Steve, your your ribs are pretty much back to normal yet. Yeah, they're back to normal. I could go and play basketball, but we've stopped for the for the uh, season, so I'm back running again and trying to get back into shape after being laid up for a few months. And how about you, man? You keeping busy? I'm keeping busy. I actually have a praise. Uh, yesterday we went on visitation, uh, went door knocking uh, with another brother in the Lord, Brother Bill, and uh, we went to go visit uh, somebody. He wasn't home and uh, went way out there in Manoa, which is probably about 25 minutes away from here, Syracuse. And uh, so we just decided to go knock some doors. And uh, the first lady that we knocked on, she wasn't too <clears throat> excited to see us, of course. And, uh, you know, she said she was saved and, and uh, she knew she was going to heaven, she said. And I said, well, when was the first time, when, when, not the first time, but when was the time that you remember that you got on your hands and knees and accepted Jesus Christ as your Savior and you were born again spiritually. And she got pretty mad. And she said, well, I go to church, you know, and stuff like that. And I said, listen, uh, you know, uh, the Bible says that there has to be a time to be able to see the kingdom of God. You must be born again. That's what Jesus Christ said. And she got all mad. And and, uh, and actually, at that time, this gentleman was walking 
by, again, it was a co- apartment complex, a gentleman was walking by going up the stairs and, and he looked like this big biker guy, you know, just one of those scary guys that, you know, you say, <laughs> Lord, he doesn't want to hear about the gospel, you know, he, he doesn't need it. He's, he's pretty tough and rough, you know, he doesn't, he doesn't want to hear from us. And uh, so I was thinking, oh, great. He saw this, you know, whole, you know, us two gentlemen talking to this girl and she's pretty mad at us. And so anyway, we gave her a track and, you know, told, asked her to pray about it and everything. And so we walked upstairs and once, you know, the first door we knock on up there is, is uh, that gentleman that walked by. And, uh, and man, I just uh, gave him the gospel and he said, well, you know what? He's like, gentlemen, why don't you come on in, you know? And, and so it was a blessing. Uh, we, uh, we spoke uh, to him. We worked on him with the Bible for about 35 minutes. And uh, him and his wife, his name's Chris and his wife's name's Alyssa. So praise God. Just pray for them. Uh, rolled a lot of stones away uh, from their heart, hopefully. Uh, they they uh, used to go to the church, but they also uh, have really good Mormon friends and uh, kind of went through, you know, they had some questions about what they believed. And, and I just said, listen, the bottom line is it's a relationship with Jesus Christ, you know. Right. And and uh, so it was a blessing. So they said they they really want to come to church uh, this weekend, so hopefully they'll come. And uh, But, you know, I... I, I told them that it's you know if you're going to accept jesus christ as your savior it has to be in your heart not it's just not a magic prayer so you know we didn't lead them through uh through the prayer and i think that's a good thing because i don't want them to think that you know that they're saved that they truly don't mean it uh mm-hmm. but what a blessing i just thank the lord that you know he just uses us as tools i mean just you know uh, four years ago i was a broken <laughs> vessel you know and and now he's just made me able just to go out there and just be able to uh you know preach the word and and just, you know, give me those opportunities that people actually will receive the word uh, with gladness. I mean, he was glad that we came and spoke to him. They both were. And I just thank the Lord for that opportunity. Amen. Amen. Well, it's nice every once in a while to get someone that does want to listen. Uh, you know, being up here in the north, uh, you hear us kind of chuckle and laugh about it. But uh, <laughs> it's probably more the norm than it is anything else that uh, we get rebuffed for uh, the gospel witness. Yeah. Uh, you know, people from different areas of the country may not understand what we're uh, what we're dealing with, and you know, they go door to door and they don't have the kind of results or uh, kind of uh, reception <clears throat> that we get up here. And they must, you know, I don't know if they think we're we're doing something weird or different or whatever, but uh, it's just a mindset that's up here. Um, doesn't have to be door to door; it can just be a regular. Uh, gospel witness i had a chance to talk to a guy at work and and uh it wasn't a total open door but uh god just let me open the door kind of on my own and and uh he asked some questions and had a good opportunity to present the gospel and mm-hmm. and to explain some uh, some differences uh you know uh from what he had believed and what he had heard and uh, what he was brought up with, and and just uh, like you, Matt, just let him think, and give as I believe that the the Holy Spirit the opportunity to deal with the person, so that they're making a choice, not because I talked them into it, right. but because the Lord's dealt with their heart, and it's the right thing to do. Amen. And you know, I I think there's a lot of churches nowadays that put an overemphasis on, and I don't want anybody to take this the wrong way, but making overemphasis on winning souls, and they're just interested in numbers, mm-hmm. and uh, that's the thing that I want to be careful about. You know, and like you said, Steve, let the Holy Spirit work and convict them, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, make it their choice. You know, make it their decision. You know, and I <clears throat> I get so worried about you know so many people leading somebody to the Lord with a with just a prayer that they're not ready for, and they think that they're okay now. They think they're saved just because they said the prayer. 
And uh, definitely, I think that's a, it's, you know, when you know that they're not ready, definitely let the Holy Spirit work on them. Amen. Amen. I think, um, man, I'm, try, I'm just trying to remember, I think I've, out of the whole time we've lived in New York, I think the only, aside from Jehovah Witnesses, I think I, there was a charismatic fellow that one time stopped by, stopped by the house, was going door to door. But other than that, no one else has knocked on my door. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's for, let's see, what, 30 years, you know, wow. here in New York. So. so there's not a whole lot of folks out doing it. And I think a lot of times when we do knock on doors here in the Northeast, that I think the first thing they think is it's, it's Jehovah Witness people. <laughs> yeah. And, and I know this friend also that I just talked to last week, and I asked them, listen, uh, you know, because they were saying that their church is just all about love and, you know, everything like that. It's a supposedly a Baptist church. And I said, well, you know, the, the bottom line is how many days a week do they go door knocking or soul winning, you know, street preaching, whatever. And uh, they, they told me finally that they don't do any of it. And the reason why is because they feel that it's not working anymore. And that, uh, you know, because of the Jehovah's Witnesses and the Mormons, nobody wants to hear anything uh, from the Bible anymore. Uh, so what they do is just have that kind of bunker mentality. And I think a lot of churches have that now. You know, let's just bunker in into, into the church and just let, you know, things roll until the Lord finally comes back. But, uh, you know, of course, we know that's not what the Bible says. You know, the Bible says, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. Uh, you're not going to be able to do that right in the church, you know, and... and uh, you know, I just hope, you know, anybody that's listening, I just pray that, you know, we get a bigger burden, even me. I mean, I, I know every day that I need to be doing more for the Lord, and I just pray uh, that we just have a laborer's heart to be able to go out there and do it. Amen. Well, you know, part of the, part of the problem is, and it's, and it's a symptom of something that's taken place a long time ago, is that, you know, Christianity, for, for some reason, in fundamental circles, they they try to draw away from the world. They try to... You know, as you put it, the bunker mentality, getting in within the walls and not having contact with the world. And and they don't realize what they've done is, number one, they've put their light under a bushel. Yeah. And number two, they've taken the salt out of the world. And when you've taken the salt out of the world, then, then the world is free to do whatever it wants uh, without any... Um, how shall I say, uh, what's the term I'm looking for? The, uh, without any restraining force, uh, you know, the Christians used to be the, the balancing force, and, and people would only go so far because the presence and the stand and the positions of the Christians, you know, wouldn't let them go uh, very far. And, and as they pulled away, and as the salt was taken out, all the professions uh, are are consumed with with people that aren't believers, whether it's lawyers and doctors and nurses and and all these uh, type of professions, welders, uh, you know, any profession, teachers, um, and and if they are Christians, they're generally they're silent Christians. They don't they don't let their voice be heard. And therefore, the world can run amok and do whatever they want. And now you can't even go door to door. They're trying to take, take passing out tracks on the street, trying to take that away, trying to take away preaching on the street, which used to be free and easy for everybody, you know, of whatever persuasion they wanted. They could stand in their soapbox and preach what they believe. But you can't do that anymore. They're, when the salt was taken out, they got used to it. Now you've got a few people that are trying to to be salt, 
and uh, they don't like it. Yeah. And uh, so we get the reactions that we get. In uh, Luke 16, I mean, you think about Luke 16 and, and uh, Lazarus and the rich man. And the, the rich man, he, he didn't say, I, I, you know, please uh, send Lazarus to my family and to my uh, brethren. I have five brethren and, and uh, you know, live a, live a nice life in front of them so they might ask him about it. Yeah, you know, he he said, "I pray to you that that uh, therefore, Father, that would send them to my to my father's house, for I have five brethren that he may testify unto them, lest they also come into this place of torment." So you know, he he was obviously um, he was in hell, and he was uh, in hell. He, he he believed in door-to-door visitation. He believed in <laughs> knocking on a door and and telling his his brethren. He didn't, you know. Wasn't none of this. Oh well, if I just you know live a nice life, then maybe someday somewhere someone will say, "Why are you so nice? <laughs> yeah. you know, what is that?" And you know that's 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 uh, well, we hope that would happen, but you, mm-hmm. that's not that's not the end all and be all of of what we should be as Christians. Right. They both have to walk hand in hand. Amen. Amen. Right. All right. Well, let's go ahead and move on and. And uh, let's go ahead and then take a look at the quote of the day. All right, the quote of the day actually has, uh, it's pretty interesting because it has to do with a little bit of the old, uh, the, the multicultural scenario that we've uh, you know, heard a lot about for the last several years. And, and somehow we've, we've got this, fostered this idea that that's the way to be, multicultural, that's the way the country was founded but even those in Congress recognize that America was founded to be distinctly Christian rather than multicultural. Mm-hmm. And here's the quote. In 1853, the Senate Judiciary Committee of the United States now declared, this is not a Baptist church, this is not, you know, a Methodist church. This is the Senate Judiciary Committee of the United States. In 1853 declared, quote, we are Christians not because the law demands it, but from choice and education. But they, meaning the founders, had no fear or jealousy of religion itself, nor did they wish to see us an irreligious people. They did not intend to spread over all the public authorities and the whole public action of the nation the dead and revolting spectacle of atheistic apathy. So that's our quote of the day, and I... You know, again, I think it's pretty plain to see that uh, we've we've drifted far from from our politicians being able to take a stand and to voice, you know, the, the Christian roots of and the heritage of our country. Well, I guess the thing that I could say is is that even as clear and as plain of a statement that, as that is, uh, the people of today will just gloss right over that and not even consider it uh, because they have their own agenda. They have their own uh, ideas of, of how they would like for things to be. <clears throat> and, uh, you know, I, I, a year or two ago, I was in with my youngest daughter uh, go, uh, talking about a, a project she was going to do in school and and she wanted to have a guest speaker, and, and uh, they weren't going to allow the guest speaker because he was going to speak on religious grounds, of which, you know, is part of, of the, uh, I think the project she was working on is separation of church and state. Uh, 
uh, was a combination of state and religious uh, principles, and, and she was going to have someone that was going to uh, make a presentation, and the principal and her teacher uh, wouldn't let her do that, wouldn't let her bring that person in, because they might say God, they might say something about uh, a, a religion, uh, you know, Christianity uh, is the term that they used, uh, didn't even say denomination, it said Christianity. And um, they were so afraid that that, that was going to be said. And when I brought up the, the points that our country was founded upon Christianity, that our, founder, uh, our founders founded this country upon God, it, it had absolutely no impact at all. Uh, they were all set in their, uh, you know, the laws that we have today and what they have to rule by, go by, and... And it's it's to a point where you know it just like I said they just gloss right over the the, the intent of uh, of these uh, founding fathers, you know, and the, the, again there was you know it's not meant to be a multicultural society. Uh, our 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 uh, form of government, our society, our our morals, were all set up to be Christian. Because that's how the, the a democratic republic works best on a people that will uh, inherently do right because it's the right thing to do instead of everybody out for themselves and I'm going to get mine and I don't care about anybody else and uh, you know me first mentality which is what we have today and a democratic republic isn't going to going to work well in that kind of a system it's more built on an honor system. And uh, that honor system has to be based on a on a creed and a code that is strong and firm, and based upon something that's not going to change, which obviously is the Word of God and and the Lord Himself. So, you know, as much as I'd like to see us revert back to what our founders are, sorry, I don't see it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> And, and I mean, you know, how, how they were talking about, the Congress was talking about, you know, we weren't really set up to be multicultural. I mean, that's that's exactly what kind of God says in the Bible. Uh, you know, again, we see in the time of the Tower of Babel, I know we've talked about this a whole bunch of times, but I mean, what happened was they tried to unite together, you know, just make a one world government and, and make a one world currency uh, and unite together and make this big thing that could go up to heaven and really have as much power as they could get all being together like that. And you see that God came down, divided their language. And, you know, it also the Bible also says in the days of Peleg, he divided the uh, the lands. Uh, and so you see that God divides people. And then uh, I also saw this. If you look in Acts chapter 17, uh, in verse, uh, I guess we can start in verse, uh, let's see, 26. It says, Of God, he, and hath made of one blood all nations of men, for to dwell on the earth, uh, face of the earth, and hath determined the times before appointed and the bounds of their habitation, that they should seek the Lord, if haply they might feel after him and find him, though he not be far from every one of us. So it says right here, we're all uh, of one blood. You know, everybody, whether you be white, black, uh, you know, shade of yellow, whatever, we're all one blood. But God also says that we have a bounds of our habitation, which means that there's bounds that we really should stay in. And uh, what happened is, you know, now America is known as this uh, melting pot of society, you know, which, which okay, is fine. But the main point is, is that we still have to understand what Steve said. I, I don't see that happening back, reverting back to back to how it was before with the founding fathers. But 
I mean, you know, they say now we're just a melting pot, but the problem with that is also that you see in the Old Testament is every time the nation of Israel started marrying, uh, you know, women that that uh, were from other nations, they started getting into their religions and their idols and all that kind of stuff. And that's exactly what we see now. I mean, we see growing numbers now in America of Muslims and Hindus and Buddhists and, and just all these other idols that are coming about. And, you know, the, people try and, you know, throw away the Bible and say, you know, we're a great nation because of our uh, democracy and republic and and because uh, and of, you know, we were founded with kind of like capitalism and all that kind of stuff. But the, the main thing is that we're, you know, there's other nations that have been founded on that kind of stuff that have, you know, nothing at all and are third world countries. And uh, but the reason why we're such a great nation is because we founded our nation on the Bible and on the God of this Bible. And, uh, you know, if we don't revert back, like we've said before, you know, we're in big trouble. And that's true, man. And, it, and it's, it's almost like they're trying to rewrite history. They're trying mm-hmm. to, like, say that, that none of that really existed or they, they didn't right. mean that. And, you know, there's a um, secular author, um, pretty famous one by the name of George Orwell, who wrote a book called 1984. Yeah. And, in, and in that book, there's, there's a... Uh, the, one of the main characters, his job is to rewrite history depending on who's winning the war and what they want it to say. So it's, you know, all congruent that they're always on the winning side. Mm. And so they spend a lot of time doing that rewriting history. And, you know, I, I see we're kind of headed down that path. Yeah. You know, people are trying to rewrite history. They're trying to, to just forget, you know, where our country came from and forget what the founding fathers have said. And, and try to, uh, you know, make it say something and make it mean something that it was never meant to mean. Yep. Well, let me piggyback on, on something I, actually both of you kind of alluded to. And, and there's nothing wrong with a country being diverse. You know, we talk about our diversity and so forth, and that's fine. I have no problem with that. In fact, you know, in the way that our, our system of government was set up, Anyone that wanted to come to our country and worship as they chose to worship were absolutely free to do so. The problem is, is that they want the uh, they want this government to change what they were, what they were founded to be, so that they will be what they want them to be. In other words, I, I'll just use hypothetically, a, let's say a Hindu comes over here and. And uh, he has the right to, to practice his religion, but he's not satisfied with that. He wants everybody to practice Hindu. And regardless of how this country was set up on Christianity, he wants everybody to be Hindu. Same with an atheist, same with an evolutionist, same with, with any religious uh, belief system. They want everyone to believe as they do. Now, if you want to start a country and, and start it on atheism, go ahead. Start your own country. But this country was started on Christianity. Amen. And don't try to change the history, as, as Eric has already mentioned, so that you can make it say what you want it to say, so that you can make the religion your choice. If you want to worship, uh, be an atheist here in this country, you have every right and freedom to do so. But don't change the system just because you don't like somebody else doing what they are, have the freedom to do. And it just irks me that people have to, you know, come over here and make everybody change because they don't like the system of government or system uh, that that we were established to be. They just don't like it, so they want to change it. Yeah, right, man. Good point, Steve. 
All right. Well, let's go ahead and let's get into our um, our lesson for today, our study for today, and um, that is: Does the Bible condone same-sex marriage? Take it away, Matt. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks, Eric. And thanks, Steve. Uh, what a blessing again it is to be here. And, and uh, I just thank uh, all of our listeners just to be uh, following us. And, and those that are new and new to the show, I, I thank you for coming on and listening. And I hope you'll stay with us and, you know, just enjoy some time out of the, out of the Word of God. You know, we believe that the King James Bible is a perfectly preserved Word of God. And uh, we pray that, uh, you know, we can be a blessing to you. Uh, we already know that this is a blessing for us just to be able to talk about the Lord and just to lift him up and lift his word up. And, uh, I, you know, I just pray that, uh, you know, that we can, uh, all grow in the Lord and get closer to the Lord. And, and, uh, you know, the Bible says about growing grace and the knowledge of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. You know, I pray that we can just grow and grow more closer to the Lord. Uh, now <laughs> it's no, no, uh, doubt that this is definitely a controversial subject. And it's even a controversial subject uh, with Christian uh, Christians, you know, all over the world. Uh, and again, the question is, does the Bible condone same-sex marriage? Now, we see a lot of things going on in the world today. Uh, we're living in a day and age that God told us would come. And it's a time that in 1 Thessalonians chapter 2, verse 3, uh, it's said to be a great falling away, where not only Christians, but those that are lost as well, will become numb to God's holy and righteous commandments. We are living in a time... Uh, where the line between black and white has now been replaced with just a shade of gray, where good and evil have no bearing anymore, and where the divider between pure and filthy has been broken down, uh, so that people who are trying to live a pure and holy life according to what God says are now mocked in being, uh, as being strange and weird. Uh, listen, I mean, we're living in a day where holy living is criticized. We're taking a stand for God's holy and righteous word is looked at as hate speech and unloving. There are many areas in our great nation that have been compromised, uh, where we have thrown out the Bible into the trash can along with the God of this Bible and are now living the way we want to live according to our heart's de- desires. Uh, you know, God is always very clear on this subject, and he's always clear on every subject of, uh, of our lives and how he wants us to live according to his word. Uh, there's no gray areas. Uh, the God of this Bible is very clear uh, uh, clear cut and right to the point. I mean, he doesn't, you know, just make up things and, and kind of have a gray area to what he wants us to do. He's very clear cut on what he wants us to do. Uh, now, the one area that this nation is compromising in that I will be talking a little bit about tonight is no doubt, again, a very controversial one. And I know there will be those of you that are listening right now tonight uh, that want to turn this broadcast off and just, you know, dismiss it as uh, hatred and hate speech. But I ask you with all my heart just to hear what God has to say about this subject. Now, just recently, our great nation uh, has allowed same-sex couples to enter into legally recognized marriage, uh, and we see that five states now have legalized same-sex marriage. Uh, these states now are Iowa, Vermont, Connecticut, Massachusetts, Massachusetts and Maine. Uh, we know that California was allowing these marriages, but just recently revoked the right, and it's now under judicial review. Now, what I was going to do is I was going to do a study on um, before on, on baptism and if baptism is needed for salvation. Uh, but man, when I saw this uh, newspaper article in the paper uh, last Friday when I was at work, it really just came on my heart. And the Lord said, you know, really not a whole lot of people know what, the, what I say about this anymore, about this subject. And so I really got a burden to bring this. And uh, this, this newspaper article is again from the Syracuse newspaper. Uh, and... Uh, the title is Gay Marriage, and it says, The debate continues as issue heads on to the state Senate. Now, just to give you a little background, uh, they're talking about allowing New York State now to, to allow same-sex marriages to take place. 
Now, this here says that uh, this is a Catholic, but he's in favor of sex, same-sex marriage rights. And it says here to the editor. So this is what he says. Now, I just want to make this clear that uh, Catholics, what they believe in, uh, I believe that there is some Catholics that are in that church that are saved, but they definitely did not get saved uh, by what that church believes. They believe in taking the sacraments. They believe in doing a whole bunch of works to get saved, and they don't even know for sure that they're going to heaven. Uh, so, again, you know, just because it says, you know, he's a Catholic uh, doesn't mean he's on the right ground. Um, but, you know, like I said before, the shades of black and white have been taken down. I mean, before, uh, in the 60s, 70s, this kind of, these kind of things would be no contest at all. I mean, it would just be, the, this is wrong, you know, and, and there's no doubt about it. But now what's happened is even lost people and saved people uh, and Christians have, have gotten to the point now where they don't really know where they stand because they don't take the biblical stand. Um, so just kind of look at you know, look close and listen close to what he says here. Again, this is a Catholic, but is in favor of same-sex marriage rights. And he says to the editor, he says, I've been reading all the letters for and against gay marriage rights. I'm a Catholic, but I'm for legalizing gay marriage. One of the arguments Catholics like to use is that the Bible is against it. First of all, this country has a separation of church and state. There should not be any laws made solely because a religious text vaguely gives an opinion on a subject. Some people like to say, well, this country was founded on Christian values, and this is a continuation of that. True, our country's fathers, uh, forefathers adopted certain aspects of the Christian religion in our laws. If it benefited society in a moral and logical way, such as do not kill and do not steal. However, gay marriage is not along the same lines as these atrocities. If Catholics are using the argument that gay marriage will ruin the fabric of family life, where is the push to make sex before marriage, extramarital affairs, or divorce illegal? The Bible is more explicit about these sins, and it would be argued, uh, and it could be argued, they are more detrimental to the health of the family unit. Finally, I hear the argument that gay marriage just isn't natural. Only a man and a woman can reproduce. True, for purposes of baby making, it has to be a heterosexual couple, and unless there are uh, tremendous advances in either science or evolution in the future, it will stay this way. However, this debate is on marriage, which has nothing to do with nature. Marriage is a wholly man-made invention stemming from financial, legal, and personal needs. Actually, the whole act of being uh, married and staying faithful to one person is unnatural, as nature would prefer a species keep itself reproducing in larger numbers with more partners in order to keep surviving. Everyone has their opinions. It just seems wrong to keep a minority of people from participating in an important event that should be between them and their partner and no one else. Now, this man is uh, from Syracuse, and again, like I said, after I read this, I mean, I was just, I was blown away. Um, I know he's a Catholic, and most likely he's not a saved man. He's not on his way to heaven, and he doesn't have the Holy Spirit dwelling in him. Uh, but the same thing goes. I mean, listen, this guy is either not much of a Bible reader, or he's just plain lying to achieve his agenda. Uh, he says here, and I quote, There should not be any laws made solely because a religious text vaguely gives an opinion on a subject. Uh, so tonight what I want to do is just show that God is not vague on this subject, nor is it just an opinion of God. And the thing you got to watch out for is when somebody says a religious text. Now, <laughs> listen, God said that he would preserve his word, that all scripture is given by inspiration of God, that they are, uh, that holy men of God spake as they were moved by the Holy Ghost. I mean, these, the, this, this Bible that we have right here, this King James Bible, is God's perfectly preserved word of God to us English-speaking people today. And this guy just says a religious text. You got to be careful when that 
word religion comes into play because uh, when you see in Jesus Christ's time, the Pharisees and Sadducees uh, were very religious. They, you know, they, they did so many things to try and keep the law and do all that, but their heart was not with God. That was their, that was their main thing is they were, their heart was not with God. They were just doing those kind of things to look holy. Uh, and that's what this man sounds like. He's just saying he's Catholic. You know, he's trying to show that he's religious, uh, but he does not believe this book. He says it's just a religious text. Uh, so what you're going to get here, that's in the Bible, is we believe this book to be perfect and preserved in God's Word. And that's what I'm going to use tonight to show you what God says about this, about uh, does the Bible actually condone same-sex marriage, or is God actually against uh, same-sex marriage in those acts? Uh, now, let's start at the very beginning, okay? Let's start in the Bible and see what God says. Now, uh, the first book in the Bible, which is Genesis, which is, again, the book of beginnings, we see that God made the creation in six literal days and rested on the seventh. Now, he made uh, a man named Adam. Then in Genesis chapter 2, verse 18, the Bible says, And the Lord God said, It is not good that the man should be alone. I will make him and help me for him. Now, turn with me to Genesis chapter 2. And we're going to see what happens. Genesis chapter 2, verse 21. And the Lord God caused a deep sleep to fall upon Adam, and he slept, and he took one of his ribs and closed up the flesh instead thereof. And the rib which the Lord God had taken from man made he a woman and brought her unto the man. And Adam said, This is now bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She shall be called woman because she was taken out of a man. Out of man. Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. And they were both naked, the man and his wife, and were not ashamed. Now listen, we have the first account of, uh, of a marriage. And marriage is always considered in God's eyes uh, a one flesh. They're always one flesh when they get married. Now Adam and Eve, that, that's a man and a woman, as you can see from the very beginning. And you'll see that all throughout the Bible, especially Jesus Christ talks about it. Turn with me to Matthew chapter 19, and you'll see what Jesus Christ says. Now, a lot of people believe that uh, they don't take the Bible literally. A lot of, some people say that uh, the book of Genesis, you know, whatever the first few chapters or even more than that, uh, we're just kind of allegorical. They're not really taken literally. You know, God really didn't create everything, and Adam and Eve was just kind of a good story. Uh, listen, that's not what any of the writers in the whole Bible talk about. They, they say that uh, the creation was a, an actual event that happened, and especially Jesus Christ talks about it. Matthew chapter 19 and starting in, chapter, uh, in verse 4, and this is Jesus Christ again saying, And he answered and said unto them, Have ye not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female? And he said, For this cause shall a man leave father and mother, and shall cleave to his wife, and they twain shall be one flesh. Wherefore they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined us uh, together, let... let uh, let not man put asunder. So again, we see that from the beginning, God created uh, man and woman to be together. Um, turn with me to Mark chapter 10. And this is just another instance of Jesus Christ uh, talking about this. Matthew chapter 10, verse 6. And this is Jesus Christ again saying, But from the beginning of the creation, uh, of the creation, God made them male and female. For this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife. And they twain shall be one flesh, so then they are no more twain, but one flesh. What therefore God hath joined asunder, let, no, uh, let not man put asunder. And in the house, 
uh, his disciples asked him again of the same matter. Um, and he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife and marry another committeth adultery against her. And if a woman shall put away her husband and be married to another, she committeth adultery. So again, here we see in verse 6, it says, But from the beginning of the creation, God made them male and female. I mean, it was started, this man in this uh, newspaper article says that uh, it's a man-made institution, you know, and, and that's that couldn't be further from the truth. Like we've said throughout all our podcasts and, and throughout all of our um, quotes of the day that we do about our founding fathers. I mean, this nation was founded on this Bible and on the God of this Bible, and we've taken marriage from this Bible and the God of this Bible again. I mean, he started at male and female. Now, in verse twelve, uh, in verse 11, you can look down here and you can see it's again male and female. It says, And he saith unto them, Whosoever shall put away his wife, so there's a he, and marry another committeth adultery against her. So the wife is always a her, and uh, the the husband is always a him. All right, now let's uh, uh, let's look at what God says about homosexuality. Uh, let's see about what He says in the Bible again about what He says about it. Now God's word doesn't use such terms as homosexual, gay, and lesbian. Now, you know, it's, it's, it's pretty hard for anybody to hear any other word other than that, any other term other than that to use for, the, for, uh, for people that are same-sex, uh, you know, commit uh, adultery and stuff like that in these acts. But some might argue that a sodomite is nothing more than an inhabitant of Sodom. Uh, but God uses the word sodomite in reference to homosexuals long after the ancient city of Sodom is destroyed. Now, if you know anything about the Bible, uh, a lot of the sins that were going on in Sodom were uh, males being with males and women being with women and uh, committing those acts. And God actually destroyed that city, and that was the city of Sodom. Uh, but we see here that, again, God used the, na- the uh, term Sodomites uh, to these people long after uh, that city was destroyed. You can see that in 1 Kings chapter 14, verse 24, uh, chapters 15, verse 12, and chapters 22, verse 46, and also 2 Kings chapter 23 and verse 7. So you can take the time and look at those. Uh, we don't have much time tonight to look at those, but definitely look those up for yourselves. Now, Again, which term is more proper? You know, a lot of people, you know, it's, it's hard. You know, people come up to us and say, you know, what, what is a sodomite? Things like that. Now, sodomites is the correct term because that is what God calls them. Uh, homosexual is a net neutral term, uh, while gay is a nice term that really, uh, you know, the news media has invented. Uh, and the problem is with that is that the, the dictionary uh, says that gay is to be merry and joyful. Uh, to be a sodomite, the Bible says to be wicked and sinful. Look with me in Genesis chapter 13, verse 13. And it says, But the men of Sodom were wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. So gay is certainly not the proper title. Uh, We're warned in Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20, that God is very displeased with people who apply good words to evil things. Isaiah chapter 5, verse 20 says, Woe unto them that call evil good and good evil, that put darkness for light and light for darkness, that put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. So we can see, I mean, you know, people might be mad that we're using the term sodomites, but I'd rather, you know, be on God's side rather, you know, and make him happy rather than make him mad. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's a difficult thing, but, but that's what God says. Never use some, a good term uh, in, in, and apply it to something bad. Now, the question is, is sodomy a sin? Is being a homosexual, gay, doing those acts, is that a sin? Uh, again, God says it is. Um, if, again, if we look in Genesis chapter 13, verse 13, it says, The men of Sodom are wicked and sinners before the Lord exceedingly. If you look in Genesis chapter 18, verse 20, it says, Their sin is very grievous. Now, if you look in Genesis chapter 19, 
and starting in verse 4, and then kind of go through 7, we read of a case where the Sodomites seek sexual relations uh, with the total stranger, actually two total strangers. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 19, and we'll see this. Um, this is where that term came from, uh, Sodomites, is because this is a city called Sodom. Genesis chapter 19. Actually, let's start in verse 1. And it says, And there came two angels to Sodom and even, and Lot sat in the gate of Sodom, and Lot, seeing them, rose up to meet them. And he bowed himself with his face toward the ground, and he said, Behold now, my lords, turn in, I pray you, into your servant's house, and tarry all night, and wash your feet, and you shall rise up early, and go on your ways. And they said, Nay, but we will abide in the street all night. And he pressed upon them greatly, and they turned in unto him, and entered into the house, and he made them a feast, and did bake unleavened bread, and they did eat. Now, the first thing you see here is that, you know, the two angels said, no, we'll just stay out here on the, on the streets. But for some reason, Lot told them, you know, he really pressed on them, listen, you got to come in with me, please come in with me for some reason. We'll see what that reason is right now in verse 4. It says, but before they lay down, the men of the city, even the men of Sodom, compassed the house round, uh, house round, both old and young, all the people from every quarter. So we, we see peop, all the people from Sodom coming out to, to come to these people, uh, coming to these angels. And they called unto Lot and said unto him, Where are the men which came in to thee this night? Bring them out unto us that we may know them. Now you say, oh, they just want to know them. They just want to meet them and shake hands. <laughs> that's, that's not what they wanted to do. Turn with me to Genesis chapter 4. Keep your fingers here in Genesis chapter 19. Um, and keep your place there in Genesis 19. Genesis chapter 4, verse 1. Again, we, we uh, compare scriptural things with scriptural things, spiritual with spiritual. And uh, we'll see the, what the term know them means. In Genesis chapter 4, verse 1, it says, And Adam knew Eve, his wife, and she conceived and bare Cain and said, I have gotten a man from the Lord. So we see that's a sexual act. And that's what they wanted to do. They wanted to, the men of the city of Sodom wanted to, wanted to come in and have sexual relations with these angels, which, which looked like men. And in verse 6 it says, And Lot went out at the door unto them and shut the door after him. Now, turn, go down with me to verse 12. And it says, And the men said, and the men said unto Lot, uh, which is talking about the angels here, um, uh, let's see. And the man said unto Lot, Hast thou here any besides son-in-law, and thy sons, and thy daughters? And whatsoever thou hast in this city, bring them out of this place. For we will destroy this place, because the cry of them is waxen great before the face of the Lord. And the Lord hath sent us to destroy it. And Lot went out, and spake unto his sons-in-law, which married his daughters, and said, Up, get you out of this place, for the Lord will destroy this city. But he seemed as one that mocked unto his own son, uh, sons-in-law. Now go down with me to verse 24 in the same chapter. Then the Lord rained upon Sodom and upon Gomorrah, brimstone and fire upon the Lord out of heaven, uh, and fire from the Lord out of heaven. And he overthrew those cities and all the plain and all the inhabitants of the cities and that which grew upon the ground. Now you see here that God doesn't take uh, this sin very lightly. And he's not vague like this man said in the, in the paper. And, and he doesn't have just a little opinion on it. Uh, I mean, there's, there's a lot to say about this sin. It's, it's, and, there's, and there's consequences for it as a nation. You know, you hear all the time that people say, well, just let us do what we want to do. We heard this man say it. Just let these people do what they want to do. And we do. We, we say, listen, you have your, your right to be able to do what you want to do. But now when you get into uh, judicial law, when you get into actually allowing something that was not man-made, but was institutionalized by, Jesus, by, by God himself, 
to have a man and a woman to be married together, then you're getting into something that's that's really just throwing it right in the God's face and saying, you know what, we're going to do what we're going to want to do. And this nation's not a nation by God anymore, but it's just by the people and what they want to do. And the problem with that now is that God deals with nations uh, for their sin. And when his cup of iniquity, we have every nation has a cup of iniquity. When that cup fills up, that's just going to pour right out when it gets up to the brim. And, uh, and that's why we just have to, you know, uh, that's why one of the reasons why I wanted to do this subject tonight is because I wanted to show everybody, maybe everybody doesn't know really what the Bible uh, says about this and, uh, and what the Lord and what the Lord, uh, believes on this and, and what his stand is. Now, look also in Leviticus chapter 18, verse 22. It says, Thou shalt not, not lie with mankind is with womankind. It is an abomination. So God says to live with a, uh, another man as you would with a woman, it's an abomination. Also, Levit- Leviticus chapter 20, verse 13 says, If a man also lie with mankind as he lieth with a woman, both of them have committed abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood shall be upon them. Now, after uh, the destruction of Sodom, we see hundreds of years later, we read that uh, the Sodomites are in the land and they are uh, committing abominations. And that's in First Kings chapter 14, verse 24. And the king was King Asa. He was a good king over Judah. And he did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord. Uh, and the reason why he was right in the eyes of the Lord was because he took away the Sidonites out of the land. First Kings chapter 15, verses 11 through 12. Now, several years later, after King Asa, uh, there were still some Sidonites left in the land. So King Jehoshaphat, which is uh, King Asa's, uh, the son of King Asa, also did that which was right in the eyes of the Lord by taking the Sidonites out of the land. First Kings chapter 22, verses 43 through 46. Now, also in Second Kings chapter 22 and 23. We read that King Josiah did that uh, the right thing when he break down the houses of the Sodomites. Now, listen, I just want to make something clear that uh, we're in the age of grace. We're not in the age of law anymore. I mean, trying to do uh, damage to people's houses uh, because, uh, you know, because this is a sin. Uh, it's not right. The Lord says not to do that anymore. Uh, to kill these people uh, for doing this, we're definitely not condoning this here at that's in the Bible.com. I mean, we're in the age of grace. We're supposed to go out and preach the gospel. That's what we're supposed to do. There's no other cure for this than just to preach the gospel and for them to, to get saved and, and, uh, and accept the Lord as their Savior. There's no uh, violence we're supposed to do toward these people at all. We're just supposed to show them our love and uh, Jesus Christ's love. Now, the big thing, too, that we see about, uh, about Sodomites is their boldness. They're very bold people. If you look on Isaiah chapter 3, verse 9, it says, The show of their countenance doth witness against them, and they declare their sin as Sodom. They hide it not. Woe unto their soul, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Now, it says right here that uh, just as uh, Sodom was, the Sodom, Sodomites uh, in, in the city of Sodom were very, uh, they didn't hide their sin at all. You know, they're very proud people. They're very bold. And the problem with that is, it says right here at the end, for they have rewarded evil unto themselves. Listen, we don't preach against uh, and and teach against this kind of thing um, of same-sex kind of stuff going on because, you know, uh, we want to be mean. It says right here that they've rewarded evil unto themselves, that something's going to bad that's going to happen to them because of this sin. You know, we we do it in love, you know, and, and a lot of people, it just, again, looks like hate speech, but it's not. Now, pride is the chief sin of the Sodomites. Uh, Ezekiel chapter 16, verse 49 says, Behold, this was the iniquity of thy sister Sodom. 
pride, fullness of bread, and abundance of idleness was in her and in her daughters. Neither did she strengthen the hand of the poor and needy. And then we see in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18, it says, Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Uh, you know, you got to be careful. I mean, that could happen to any of us. I mean, we all could get prideful. But uh, for sodomites, that is the main chief uh, sin of, of these people is, is pride. They're very proud of what they do. And we see that in a lot of the um, uh, uh, parades that they have, uh, things like that. They're very proud of what they're doing, and it's very dangerous for them. Now, the last thing that we want to look at is what is the New Testament says about uh, the Sodomites. You know, we looked at the Old Testament. Now, the New Testament also condemns this as sin. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, and we'll see what the Bible says. Uh, this is uh, Romans written by Paul. And Romans chapter 1. Romans chapter 1, and we're going to start here. Uh, let's see. In verse 21. Uh, because that when they knew God, they glorified him not as God. He were thankful, but became vain in their imaginations, and their, fool, uh, and their foolish hearts was darkened. Professing themselves to be wise, they became fools, and changed the glory of the uncorruptible God into an image made like to corruptible man, into birds and four-footed beasts and creeping things. Uh, that sounds uh, a lot like um, uh, the evolutionists right there. Wherefore God also gave them up to uncleanness through the lust of their own hearts to dishonor their own bodies between themselves, who changed the truth of God into a lie and worshiped and served the creature more than the creator, who is blessed forever. Amen. For this, co for this cause, God gave them up unto vile affections, for even their women did change the natural use into that which is against nature. Now, don't forget about what that man said, that Catholic man in the newspaper said that it's natu more natural for, uh, to, for people to be with more and more partners. Uh, <laughs> that's not what the Bible says. And likewise also the men, leaving the natural use of the women, burned in their lust one toward another, men with men working that which is unseemly, and receiving in themselves that recompense of their error which was meet. And even as they did not like to retain God in their knowledge, and gave, uh, God gave them over to a reprobate mind to do those things which are not convenient. And then go down to verse 32. It talks about all the sins. And then verse 32 it says, Who knowing the judgment of God, that they which commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them. I mean, a lot of these people just have pleasure in what they do. Now, I'm not saying all of them do. Uh, you know, I, I've talked to a couple that, you know, wish they weren't that way. They say that they're that way. It's like any other sin. It grabs a hold of you. And, and uh, listen, if you, don't, if you don't have the Holy Spirit indwelling in you, and uh, you're not in this book daily with that Holy Spirit, uh, you can definitely get a lay, led away with these kind of things. Now, Second Peter chapter 2, verse 16, the word ungodly is used in connection with sodomy. It says here in Second Peter chapter two verse sixteen or two verse six, and turning the cities of Sodom and Gomorrah into ashes, condemned them with an overthrow, making them an ensample unto those that after should live ungodly. He's saying that you know that living that way is just ungodly. It's not correct. It's not right. Now the biggest question is: Can a sodomite be cured? Can sodomy be cured? God tells us there is a cure because there is a cure for all sin. Now God is willing to cleanse any person of this sin uh, and forget it forever. Now, some people have this strange idea that God cannot forgive certain sins, but the Bible says otherwise. If you look at 1 John chapter 1, verse 7, it says, The blood of Jesus Christ, his Son, cleanses us from all sin. That's past, present, and future. Revelation chapter 1, verse 5 talks about those that are saved. It says, And from Jesus Christ, who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth, unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Now, accepting Jesus Christ... Uh, as your Savior, is the only cure for anything, for any sin. Uh, sin is sin, whether it be sodomy, murder, stealing, 
lying, adultery, fornication, pride, rebellion, whatever it is. Uh, the Bible says in Romans 3.23, for all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. I mean, even if you just committed one of the sins of all the commandments that God has given out, uh, James chapter 2, verse 10 says, for whosoever shall keep the whole law and he had a friend at one point, he is guilty of all. Listen, if you've only committed one sin, that means you're a sinner and that means you've fallen short of the glory of God, which is heaven. But the amazing thing is, is Romans chapter 5, verse 8 says, but God commendeth his love toward us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. I mean, there was no way we can get to heaven. Christ died for us because he loved us. Romans chapter 6, verse 23 says, For the wages of sin is death. We deserve death, that second death, that, that being thrown into the lake of fire. Uh, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. It's not, it's not works. It's not anything like that. God says it's a gift. And he says in Romans ten thirteen, For whosoever, that's anybody, shall call upon the name of the Lord, shall be saved. So the main question is, does the Bible... Uh, condone same-sex marriage. Uh, going through all these verses in the Bible uh, that I found uh, shows me that God definitely has a major opinion on this subject. And uh, to to be a nation that's been blessed by God for having, uh, uh, you know, uh, uh, marriage between a male and a woman, a uh, male and a female, uh, God's really blessed us for having this Bible as our as our. Uh, foundation for our nation. And again, I truly believe that the further we get away from God and start putting this, you know, uh, before him and say, listen, Lord, we're not going to listen to you. We're going to live our own way. Uh, we've got, we've got trouble coming. So I pray that this was a blessing for, uh, for everybody out there. You know, again, I hope it, it didn't offend a lot of people. You know, I'm, I'm trying to do this in love, of course. Uh, but, uh, definitely it's just a blessing to see what the Lord has to say. Thanks guys. Amen. Thanks, Matt. You know, Matt, you did did a good job in in your presentation. I think you covered it well. Um, you know, people aren't maybe going to understand this, but I think that the adversary to Christianity, which obviously is the devil and his minions, has an agenda to to discredit Christianity and to. Uh, fight against the Lord and in, in all that he can do. And, and the lowest common denominator uh, that we have in the human race is the family. And um, if he can destroy the family, he can destroy the, 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 the foundation uh, of society. And uh, I, I truly believe that he's tried to do it in a number of ways. He's hit it from many fronts. And uh, I think one of the last ones, I don't, I don't know that it is the last one, but one of the last uh, uh, attacks that he's making on the family is, is in changing its, its uh, uh, how shall I say, the, uh, what it is, you know, what constitutes the family. I mean, we've had a lot of uh, attacks coming, you know, against the, the man or against the woman, uh, but now it's trying to change its definition. And God's already stated what that is, as you've already described. But if he can attack the family, and he can disintegrate the family, then there's no strength. Uh, there's no constant. There's no basis. I, I used the term earlier, the, the, the lowest common denominator. And, uh, you know, all of our institutions are made up of families, uh, when we talk about churches, the churches are supposed to be made up of families. Our communities are made up of families. 
And they're changing that definition so that it can mean what God has already described as being sinful and wrong. Uh, you know, whether people want to try to say that it's a, a lifestyle, it's not a lifestyle. Uh, it's, it's a sin that people are practicing. And the reason why they come up with terms like that is so that they can justify it and make others feel uh, as if they need to accept it. And uh, so they'll come up with all kinds of accusations and uh, laws uh, to try to silence people from, in my opinion, telling the truth and exposing it for what it really is. Um, you know, I'm sure that there will be opposition to what we've said. Uh, you know, I, I would expect nothing less. Uh, but that still doesn't change what God says about it. And that's why I think they're trying to get rid of God and trying to get the, rid of the Word of God so that there's no um, uh, attack on their lifestyle, or what they want to call their lifestyle, or their sin. And if they can get rid of that, then they can be ruled by their own conscience. And, uh, you know, then you get back into a situation which if people know their Bible, they get back into the time of the judges where it says every man did that which was right in his own eyes. And, and at that particular time, all you had was anarchy. Yeah. Yeah, I think it's hard to see, too. I mean, uh, I think this, uh, of course, he says he's a Catholic and... And uh, but he's it's pretty amazing to see he's also for evolution, <laughs> right? You know, and and I think that's a pretty telling point right there that that of course he doesn't read his Bible or he doesn't believe his Bible one or the other, and probably both. But uh, just to say that you know it's it's uh, when he says here the whole act of being married and staying faithful to one person is unnatural. <laughs> now right there, I mean that's. That's just pretty much throwing out God and saying, you know what, I just want to be, uh, you know, I'm going to make myself my own God and say I can be with as many people as I want because really it's more natural to be with more people. <laughs> you know, I just think that's pretty amazing that he says well, statements like that. That's, that's amazing because that's an animalistic behavior. Exactly. Uh, and coinciding with, with evolution and everything else. Uh, you know, they're... Man, I've, I've run across this from time to time. People will use a term that is uh, on the other side uh, of their issue just to try to give it credibility to say that there are other people that believe like they believe. In other words, it could have been anybody saying that they were Catholic or they may have been Catholic at one time and, and no longer practiced their Catholicism and then making those statements to make it sound as if it's condoned by Catholicism, right. which the majority of Catholics that I've ever talked to are, are opposed to that, and opposed to that kind of lifestyle. Now, whether their practice is that way, at least their dogma is against it. Right. Uh, so I'll give them credit for that, but, but this individual, I think, is just using that as, as, a, as a lever yeah, uh, to make his point and uh, try to get people to to be sympathetic. Amen. Amen. All right. Well, uh, we're closing in on uh, just uh, a little over an hour here, and yeah. um, and I, I think we're going to be seeing you this weekend, Steve. Yeah, I'm so looking forward to it. Maybe we can uh, do some video or some audio or do some kind of recording. We can also add to the to our podcast and maybe something a little different. Maybe we'll get the dog tricks in there or something. 
<laughs> there we go. <laughs> That's in the Bible dog tricks. <laughs> yeah, there are a lot of dog lovers and, you know, that uh, would be interesting probably to see. Maybe do, do you have any biblical dog tricks? Uh, stay. <laughs> Beg. <laughs> Lie down. <laughs> Humble yourself. Yes. <laughs> now before we go we got to remember are, are we going to talk about that picture that you had steve or uh yeah we can we can um if you remember correctly if you look on the website there's a picture there of a poster that was uh put up around election time uh i believe i've got the right name for my union so i can give them the right uh, recognition it's the iam but it stands for the Inter International Association of uh, Machinist and Aerospace Workers. But they call it IAM for short. And, of course, on that, if you take a look at that uh, poster on the webs uh, website, it's IAM referencing the uh, uh, union, Obama. In other words, IAM is for Obama. But... You know, if you break that down just a little bit and just take a look at those first three letters, I am, hmm. uh, then it says, I am Obama. Now, I know they didn't intend it that way. I, I understand completely. But when you just take a look at it and, and just the way he's been presented as being the Messiah, being the Savior, he's going to come in and save us from all the woes of the last eight years and... And, uh, you know, every ha everyone has this euphoric attitude towards uh, uh, Obama and so forth. Uh, it almost gives you the impression that he's Messiah-like. And when I saw this, this poster, it says, I am Obama, it reminded me of, I am the true vine. Yeah. I am the shepherd. Or I am the good shepherd. I am the uh, bread of life. Or I am that I am. Yes, that's what I was getting to. God said of himself, when people ask who I am, tell them the I am sent you. And so, you know, it's it, I am is a reference to God in our Bible. Amen. And when uh, I, you know, just happened to take a look at that and saw it, and I, 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 just, I just was kind of shocked. and went, wow. <laughs> you know, I am Obama, you know, and, and uh, he's not the Savior. Uh, he's not God, and I know that he doesn't proclaim himself to be, but there are a lot of people that are giving him those qualities. And, uh, you know, I just kind of wanted to draw people's attention to the fact that uh, there are those that do uh, give him that kind of uh, prestige, if you will. All right, and I'll take, it, I'll take the other side, the, uh, the, the one step to the right. This obviously is just uh, another indication that we're preparing the people for the uh, the great imitator himself, ah, the, yeah. the Antichrist, and uh, you know this whole f hoopla over you know the the Messiah as a political leader, and he's going to save the people and help the people, and and even signs like the I am Obama, you know it. <laughs> It's a little hard to ignore. It's a little hard to think, you know, maybe this is just a little dress rehearsal for 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 the the real thing. Well, yeah. amen. I mean, you know, the Satan has all kinds of devices. And again, I, I just want to say that I know the union had no idea what they were doing, but there's a lot of times people 
do things and they have no idea that they're doing them. I mean, if you've been married and you say something to your spouse and they take it totally the wrong way, the prince of the power of the air took what you said and twisted it around even though it was said in innocency. So, you know, I know how the the God of this world, and that's small g, uh, operates and works. The Bible says we're not ignorant of his devices. And he'll use these things just to kind of set the tone and prepare the way, as Eric was mentioning, uh, for something that's going to happen here in the future. Amen. Well, we've covered, this was the 13th topic, the lucky number 13. It somehow seems almost appropriate for this topic. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and uh, you would think, have they? Have these guys, these knuckleheads, exhausted everything there is that the Bible <laughs> has to say and to comment on? Uh, we got plenty more. <laughs> there's more where that came from. That's right. <laughs> if you if you think some of these studies are way out there, just wait. <laughs> I could hardly wait, Matt. I could hardly wait. <laughs> oh, I, I think didn't we mention at one point that Steve's going to bring the doctrine of the great deep? Yeah, that's 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 going to be up. Did there I say soon. that? Did I, did I really say that? Pretty sure. We kind of got you to say that, I think, Steve. <laughs> Pretty sure that there's been a groundswell of support for that. For uh, I haven't I haven't heard any anybody on the on the website making comment. Hey, Steve, we want to hear about that. Uh, uh, I'm taking a caller right now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, sir. You're on the air. <laughs> <laughs> so if you're out there and you want to hear a particular topic or whatever, send it over the. Give us an email. Let us know. Definitely. Uh, we'll see what we can do, study it out, and uh, prepare a podcast on that particular subject. Or if they even want to uh, send us a little uh, audio clip, and they can send that to that's in the Bible at gmail.com. And, and whether it's a question or a comment, uh, we'll do our best to include it on the show. Yeah. All right. Well, let's go ahead and close out. And uh, any, any parting words and Thanks again, Matt, for bringing Does the Bible Condone Same-Sex Marriage? Or, subtitled, Is it Adam and Eve or Adam and Steve? As I think Steve coined that phrase or told me that phrase a few years I've, back. I'm, I'm probably not original with that, but uh, I have said that in the past, yes. And that's Steve. Uh, write to him at... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> Steve will be giving out his phone number before the show's over. Oh, praise the Lord. They All can get a hold of me through that's at the Bible.com. I'm sure they can. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, another interesting show. We when we hope it's more than interesting. We hope that that it's at least spurred your interest a little bit to open the Bible and, and to take a look at some of these things for yourself. And, and uh, if, if nothing else, maybe a jumping off point that, that uh, maybe you're not hearing. Maybe you're not uh, hearing these kinds of things on your television fair or your radio fair or your regular internet fair so we hope that we're just another alternative and maybe something that's going to have some eternal consequences for you and it could be a help alright anything else uh, trust the Lord he's the best way to go man amen Amen. and definitely just stay in the book stay in the word I mean you know uh, Jesus Christ told us in Matthew 4 4 man shall not live by bread alone but by every word that proceeded out of the mouth of God I mean we we have to keep 
you know, sustain our life, uh, our physical life, by, by our food. But spiritually, uh, if you're saved uh, and, and you've got the Holy Spirit dwelling in you, spiritually, to be sustained, we need to be able to uh, read His Word every day. And, uh, you know, just desire it as sincere milk, you know, and, and just really lap it up, you know, because it's, it's just an amazing book. And I hope, like, like Eric said, I hope that we're kind of spurring a little bit uh, more enthusiasm to d- definitely study more out in the Bible and just get close to the Lord. Amen. All right, guys, we'll see you next time. Right, look forward right. to it. This has been a production of the That's in the Bible podcast.